Lukuta Sicha is Chelik Yudzayin, Parsha Bahar Sicha Beis, and this is also a Siyam of Mesechta Shviz. By the mitzvah from Shviz is in Shviz, in regards to the mitzvah of that the land has to rest, not be worked, during the seventh Shemitah year, so the Ramam, the Ramam says as follows, Mitzvah says the Lushbeis Ma'avodas Ha'aretz, it's a mitzvah, it's a positive mitzvah to rest from, withdraw from uh, working the land, Ba'avodas Ha'ilon, and working of the trees, B'Shona Ha'shviyas, in the seventh year, meaning the Shemitah Yishinem, as it says in the Pasuk, B'Shav Sa'aretz Shabbos Lashem, and the earth shall rest onto Hashem. B'Nemar, and it says also in the Pasuk, B'Chorish, B'Kotzer Tishbeis, from plowing and from planting, you shall rest. Sorry. From plowing and from reaping, harvesting, you shall rest. Is Yudua in them, the Chikira, it's well known, the, uh, there is a question that is asked in regards to this. See, the mitzvah is, as the Erd Zol Shevazayin, what is the mitzvah? Is the mitzvah that the earth shall be allowed to rest? This is Mashman from Losh Naksuvim Parashenu, as from the Pasuk, it would seem that's the mitzvah. Because the Pasuk says, The earth shall be allowed to rest. It should be a year of rest for the earth. Another Pasuk, a year of rest shall be for the land. In other words, that it's the mitzvah on the person is that he should allow the earth, the ground to rest. And as the Rambam says in Anandarot elsewhere, as the mitzvah is that the earth shall be shall rest, shall be allowed to rest from its work during the seventh year. So that's one way of looking at it. Or the other way is, other the mitzvah is as the men is the mitzvah on the person that a yid should not work the land during the seventh year. Another Pasuk says, From plowing and from reaping, you shall rest. So the mitzvah is on the person. And as the Rambam uh, that we quoted at the beginning says, That one should rest from working the land, and working the tree. In other words, the mitzvah is on the person. So the question is, who is the mitzvah on? In regards to the negative mitzvah that's associated with it, which is you shall not plant your uh, field and you shall not uh, uh, reap your your vineyard. Over there it's clear that the, uh, the negative mitzvah pertains to the person. That, he shall, that one shall not work on the land during this year. But the positive mitzvah, the rest, you shall rest, or the earth shall rest. That's where the question comes up. What would be the difference if we, if we say that it's on the person or on the field? The mitzvah is as the karka If we say that it's the land that belongs to the Jew that has to be allowed to rest, is them. Then it wouldn't make a difference who is the one that disrupts the rest of the land, the rest to the land. Even if a goy were to do it, is the balakarka over of the mesa. So the, the one that owns the land would violate that mitzvah that his land should rest. He allowed a goy to plant or plow or whatever he did to work the land. 
If, however, the mitzvah is on the person, on the yid, is so if a goy were to work the field, since the yid is not doing it, so he's not violating that positive mitzvah of resting from working the field, a goy is doing it, a goy is not commanded to do it. And the mitzvah is not on the field, the mitzvah is on the person doing it, and it doesn't pertain to a goy, and therefore he wouldn't violate. So that would be a difference. In a similar way, there is also this, a similar question in regards, and, and there's also machlekes, in regards to another mitzvah which is associated with Shemitah, which is, And during the seventh year, you shall abandon the, fi- the fruits in the field. In other words, there are fruits which grow on their own, like from a tree, it grows year after year whether worker, you work it or not. So you're not allowed to own the fruit of the tree. You have to abandon it. Anyone can come and take. That's the mitzvah. So there too the question would be, so the mitzvah from Shemitah Sapeiris, whether the mitzvah of abandoning these fruits is as does was the ed gitaris b'shvi is davda balabayis mashvid zayin, mafkir zayin, whether the mitzvah is that the owner should declare the fruit to be free and clear for anyone that takes it, he's removing his ownership of it. He commanded us, Hashem commanded us to declare ownerless anything that grows on its own in the, she- in the year of Shemitah. And the way he expresses it in the Yad HaZokah and the uh, in Mishnah Torah. To abandon, to declare ownerless anything that grows during the seventh year. So that's one way of looking at it. Or do we say that the fact that it's ownerless is something that Hashem declares that it's ownerless? You don't have to declare it because it's done for you. The Torah says you do not own it. The Torah mafke given the Torah the Torah declared it to be uh, Hefker. And the Balabai is Tudgarn them, and therefore the owner doesn't have to declare it to be uh, ownerless because the Torah declared it to be ownerless. So it's done on your behalf. It's just an automatic thing that the Torah declares. You do not have to go ahead and do it. What would be the difference if it's something that you have to do or whether the Torah does it on your behalf? The difference would be in the case... And there is a beferish nish mafkir. What happens if there is an owner, a Jewish owner, that in the Shviyas, he decides that he doesn't want to declare it ownerless. He doesn't want it to be ownerless. Like for instance, he puts a fence around his field, not allowing anybody to come and take, or around his vineyard. So if in that case, if the mitzvah of the Torah is that the owner has to declare it to be ownerless, is even though he violates what the Torah told him that he has to do, he has to declare it to be ownerless, and he did the opposite. He fenced it in not to allow anybody to go take it. Even so, even though he violated what the Torah said, but since he did not declare it to be ownerless, so therefore he still owns it, and therefore nobody's allowed to take it. It would be stealing if he took it. If he were to take, if somebody that a uh, stranger were to come and take that fruit, it would he would be over on theft. But if we say that the Torah declared it ownerless, 
Anyone can come and take the fruit from there, even though the, the owner says, no, I don't want you to take, I don't allow you to take. The Torah says that you are allowed to take. The Torah said that he doesn't own it, you own it, anyone owns it. And therefore, you would be permitted to take. Another obvious difference would be since during the seventh year a person that has a field or a, a vineyard doesn't have to give a miser from those fruits because the whole thing is ownerless and therefore he doesn't have to give miser. If the mitzvah is that the person should declare it to be ownerless so then what happens if he decided that he doesn't want to declare it ownerless? As we said, he fenced it in. Then since they're not Hefker, because he did not declare it to be Hefker, so then he would have to give Meiser from those fruits. But if they are Hefker by the declaration of the king, meaning Hashem, he decided that it's Hefker, is moving as as Zain so then it's understood that the fact that the owner did not say that it's Hefker makes no difference. And the garnish in the Paytas and in Potiphar Meisters, it doesn't make a difference whether he wants to be Mafker or not. Hashem already declared it to be Hefker, so they are Hefker, and therefore there's no Chiyuv to give Meiser, to give the tithing from those fruits. Gimel. However, there is a possibility to say, as that even in the case where somebody does not declare it to be hefker, even according to the one that says that the mitzvah is on the person to declare it hefker, and he decided that he doesn't want to declare it hefker, we would still be able to say that there is no chiyuv of meiser on those fruits. Why? Varim yesh loimar, because one could say, as dos was peirus viyas and a potter from meiseris mitam hefke, that the fact that the peirus of the shmita year are exempt from meiser because they are hefke, is dos nish the farvail zizanin hefke bepoel. It doesn't mean that because the fruits are actually hefke, that's why they're potter from meiser. And one could say that no, nor mitzadam chiyuzetu mafkezain that the reason that they're exempt from Meiser is because you are obligated to declare them Hefker. And the uh, exemption from Meiser comes from the fact that there is an obligation to declare them Hefker. And if you decided not to declare them Hefker, they're not Hefker, but they're still exempt from Meiser. And then what would be the explanation? Why would that be so? In the Friedrich Meisers. Similar to what we find that in the, in the first six years of the seven-year cycle, when a person is planting and plowing and doing the uh, agricultural work, and so there is a system of maestres that goes on throughout those six years. That the first year and the second year and the fourth year and the fifth year, but not the third and sixth, is memafresh maestresheni one has to separate what's called the second tithing, which is fruit that you have to take to Yerushalayim and eat it there. On shlishis v'shishis, whereas the third year and the sixth year is when ashtot ma'isasheni, instead of giving ma'isasheni to take to Yerushalayim, mafrish ma'isaroni, we give instead the tithing 10% to the poor people. 
than Tam. It would simply appear that the reason why for the first two years it's Meiser Shani and then Meiser Oni and then again Meiser Shani and, and the, th- the next year Meiser Oni is Bechtem is only Zdafen Gebem in Einyor Alamaisis would be the Torah divided it up in such a way that you don't have to give so much in one year so it's spread it out two years Meiser Shani one year Meiser Oni from Desvegen even so, we don't find anywhere that somebody should say, let's say somebody did not give, he neglected to give Maishashani the first year. So, that instead of Maishashani, you should give Maishashani instead. The reason that you're not giving Maishashani in the first and second year is because you're expected to give Maishashani. But what happens if somebody said, I'm not giving Maishashani? Should he instead have to give Maiser Oni? We don't find anywhere that anyone should say such a svarah. Fatam, and the reason for this would be, the reason is because there is no such thing as the produce of the first or second year, you have to give Maiser Oni. Even though rationally you would say that the reason is because the Torah doesn't want to overload you in one year, that you have to give Maiser Shani and Maiser Oni all in one year, so it divided it up. So that's a rational reason. But we wouldn't say that if somebody decided not to give Maiser Shani in the year that he's supposed to, so then, then you have to give Maiser Oni. If you're not giving Maiser Shani, you have to give Maiser Oni. There is no such thing. Because that year, the produce from that year, there is no Maiser Oni which applies to it. Whether you gave Maiser Shani or not. You could say the same kind of a sl- application, you could apply the same rationale to what happens in the Shemitah year. Since the Torah said that you are expected to, obligated to, uh, declare it ownerless, that's why the Torah did not apply the obligation to give Meiser in that year at all regardless of whether you actually did what you were supposed to do and declared it ownerless or not. Even if you did not, in fact, declare it to be ownerless, still there is no chiyav ha'maiser. So therefore it's possible that this difference wouldn't apply because you could say easily that ha'maiser doesn't apply in the year of Shvius at all and therefore there's no proof from there at all. It doesn't matter. Dalit. It would seem that one could bring proof for one side of this argument, as the hefke from Shviyas is afkaita de malka. That the hefke that applies uh, for the fruits of Shviyas is something that the Torah declares and not something that you have to set in motion. What's the proof? From from what the Medr says on the Pasuk, the, uh, the strong of power that do, the ones that do Hashem's will, the Shmevakal Dvare, ones that listen to the sound of Hashem's words. So the Medrash says, Elu shviyas, these are the ones that keep the laws of Shviyas, of, of Shemitah. Why are they called the mighty of power? Because, you know, they have such control over their, of, over their actions that they, 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 they do what they're supposed to do in Shviyas. Because, because, he sees, he stands by, and he sees that his fields are, are ownerless. All those fruits that he works hard for so many years, they become ownerless. Anyone can come and take. 
and his trees are, are hefker, vasyogim ufrotzim, and the, the parameters, the boundaries around this field are broken open, not broken literally, but they're open, you know, the doors are open, anybody can come through and take. And he sees that his fruits are being eaten by others. And he controls his Yetzirah, and he doesn't say anything. He allows them to take. That takes great power, control. So from the fact that the mission, the uh, the Medr says he sees his field is free, his trees are hefker. Is mashma It seems not that he declared it hefker. He sees that they are hefker means that happened on its own without his involvement. Not that he declared it. He sees that they're hefker and he and he doesn't say anything. He doesn't interfere. So from there, one can bring a proof that it happens because Hashem declares it to be Hefker, not that He has to go ahead and declare it Hefker. Which means it happens on its own because Hashem declared it so. And not because He declared it to be Hefker. However, one could still say that maybe it's not a proof. As the Medish is metayed the matzah from the sod of Elam, that the Torah is ta- the Medr, sorry, is talking about describing what happens after he declared it Hefker. When he declares it Hefker back in his living room, he says, Yeah, everything in my field is Hefker. But then when he comes outside, he sees his field open and free for everybody. The Medr doesn't say how it turned into Hefker. The Medrash is talking after it was already Hefker. So therefore it's not discussing whether Hashem declared it Hefker or He declared it Hefker. But also the Medrash is of the opinion as is any given Hefker nor them was the mensch had mafki given. The Medrash also agrees that how do they become Hefker? Because He declared them to be Hefker. Why doesn't the Medrash start from there? Because the Medrash is talking about when He sees, He observes what's happening to His field. On the Chiddush B'Shas Raya, and what the, the Medrash is saying, here comes along a guy, and he sees, he watches, as people are coming through his field and taking his fruits. And even though it's true that he declared it to be Hefker, but that's not where the Yetzirah steps in. That's not where he has to control his Yetzirah. On Vail Erzet, as is Vail Erzetes, as is Bepoyol, Al Derechene Doimeriel Shmiyat. It's easy to say it in your living room. <clears throat> but then when you see people come and take the fruits and they're walking through your field as if they own it and they take, that takes control. To say it, to make a declaration in your, in your living room is not so hard. But then the Medish says when he sees it happening over there, he needs to have control. So the Medish isn't really talking about how it came about, just when he sees the results of what he said. So it's possible that the Medish also holds that you have to be the one to declare it. And because there's no comparison to when you see what's happening to when you heard that it's happening or when you yourself said that it's going to happen. But when you see it happening, it makes it much more difficult. Hey, now we can find a source and a proof from the, for the other side of the argument that Shemitah's karka, that, um, 
declaring it to be hefker is not something that happens on its own, but it's an obligation on the person to do it, to say it. From them, was man vergleich Schmittes Schmittes Ksofen. From the fact that there is a, a comparison drawn between the fruits that have to be declared to be ownerless, and there's another mitzvah in Shvius, which is that if somebody owes you money, you have to declare that money to be forgiven. You don't ask for the money back. You're forgiving the the loan. Where do we find the comparison? So it says, the Gemara says, quoting the Pasuk, V'zed vara shmita. this is the matter of Shemitah, Shomait, to declare, to abandon it, to abandon it. So the Gemara says, shmita, The Pasuk is talking about two different types of abandoning. karka. One is to abandon the fruits, to declare them owners. The other one is, the abandoning of the money that is owed to you to the loans that are outstanding. So then, Bizman Shatamashamit Karka, at the same time when you abandon the fruits, so also at the same time in the year of Shemitah, you also abandon your outstanding debts. So we see that the Gemara compares the two. And even though it's true that this is only the opinion of Rebbe and not the opinion of the Rabbanon, because Rebbe holds that. That only applies when there is Shemitah of the earth, meaning when there's Ketusha Sa'aretz, which after the Chorbim and the people left as Israel, it no longer applies. So therefore he would hold that there is no Shemitah Ksafim, that the, the loans are not uh, suspended either. Whereas the Rabbanos say that even now the uh, Shemitah Ksafim still applies. So the Machlekes is only about what Rebbe says uh, you know, uh, in regards to does it apply at the same time or does it not apply at the same time? And Rabbi says that because there's no Shemitah's Karka, there's no Shemitah's Ksafim. And the Rabbanan disagree. But everybody agrees that there is a similarity between the Shemitah's Ksafim and the Shemitah's Karka. In other words, they both agree that there is, uh, you draw inferences from one to the other. The question is only about this particular one that they disagree. So in other words, establishing that there is a similarity between Ashmatas Karka and Ashmatas Ksafim. But Shmitas Ksafim Zogdim Mishnah Mishnah Shviyas. So in regards to Shmitas Ksafim, the Mishnah says in the Sechtah Shviyas, Amagzir Chayb Shviyas. If somebody returns a loan during the Shmitah year, Nochem's Man you, after the time when the loans are meant to be suspended, he should say to him, the person to whom the money is owed should say, no, I've forgiven the loan. I've abandoned the loan. If the person that borrowed the money says, no, I still want to pay, then he can accept it from him. As it says, and this is the word of Shemitah. I, I, I translated before, this is the matter of Shemitah. But it says this is the word of Shemitah from which we learn that there is an obligation to speak, to say, I am abandoning this loan. But if he still wants to pay, okay, fine, so then you can pay. I said that I'm forgiving it. So now, if Shemitah is something that happens because Hashem declared it so, and therefore there is no longer any obligation for that person to pay the loan because Hashem suspended the loan, so therefore there's no reason for him to pay it. 
is nishglat loshna mishnah marzichayv. So then, why does the mishnah say if somebody returns alone, which means that there's an obligation for him to pay? Alone means something that you owe. If the Abishtah already said, the Torah already said that there is no loan, he doesn't owe you the money, so he's not returning a loan. Meshametani, and what does it mean that I am, and what is when the person says, no, I have suspended it, I have forgiven it. He is not forgiven it, the Torah has forgiven it. So why does the Mishnah say, I forgave it? So both of these words would be uh, difficult if we were to say that it's Hashem that declares it to be forgiven. So from this we can prove that it seems that it's uh, something that the person has to forgive. The person has to be Mishamet. On Pirisham from them Leivas and also how the Mepharshim explained that when the Leiva means the borrower says became uh, still I want to pay it as a that he wants to pay back the money that he owes. So in other words everybody seems to be saying that there is a there is a loan, and there, he does owe it. However, the person has to be saying, no, I forgive the loan. So that means that it's not something that the Torah declared to be ownerless. It's something that the Torah expects the person to say. Since the Torah says that the seven, the Shemitah, comes along and abandons and suspends the loan, Suspends, not suspends. Suspends means that it's only temporary. It um, completely forgives the loan. So then it would seem, since the Torah said that it's no longer a loan, then the person that borrowed the money should not be permitted to pay it back. Going against what the Torah says. The Torah says you don't owe it to him anymore. Why is he paying it? Why should the leva, the borrower, be permitted to pay it back? Because he's paying back a loan. There is no loan. The Torah says there is no loan. Then he shouldn't be able to override the Torah's having uh, neutralized that loan. On the Mishnah, whereas on the other, the Mishnah says, in fact, not only is the leva, the borrower, permitted to pay it back, in fact, that the uh, the sages are pleased with that kind of behavior that a person comes and pays back the loan anyway. The estate in the Tzvayta Mishnah, as it says in the next Mishnah. So then it would seem that it's not something that the Torah has uh, neutralized that loan. It's something that is between the borrower and the, uh, and the lender. And therefore, he has to say, I'm forgiving it. And he could say, no, I still want to pay it. Is mashma from the malam. So from all of this, it seems as shmitas ksafim b'shvius is nisht in geder from afkaita the malta that malka that the the suspension of the loans in shmita is not because the Torah declares it to be suspended, as the chay veret legamri nifkevin is battle b'dach memela. Not to say that this loan is completely neutralized and there is no more loan because the Torah declared it so. Nor, rather, what is happening that there is an obligation on the person. The lender has an obligation to say, to declare that I am forgiving the loan. You don't have to pay me back. And that when that happens, it's not the, that the loan is uprooted as if it never happened and if it doesn't exist. Nor, but rather, there is a loan. You owe me money, but I am not 
going to collect it. I'm not collecting that loan. Ermontenisht, he doesn't ask for it. And therefore, when the person wants to pay it, so fine, there is a loan, you can pay it. Alpizem, based on this, Vet Fashani was the Rambam Zok, we can now understand what the Rambam says. Mitzvah Esel Hashmit Hamilva. It's a positive mitzvah to suspend the loan. Bishvi is during the seventh year. And as it says, and he brings the Pasuk. Because the Pashtus is the Shayach, when the Mashmit Zain is a Chiyavay from Malva. When could you say that? You could say that when there is a mitzvah on the, on the lender that he should suspend the loan. But you can't say that if the Torah already removed any, any, uh, any loan from the owner, from the borrower to the lender, so then you can't say that there's a mitzvah on the, on the lender that he should suspend it. It's already suspended by the Torah. So therefore we understand why the Rambam puts it this way, because it seems that the Rambam also holds that it's a mitzvah on the person and not that the Torah has already neutralized the loan. Unleidem is musber, but the Rambam Zotner, this also explains what the Rambam says, that the lender has to say to the one that wants to return the loan, Mashmitani, I have forgiven it, and you are exempt from me, you don't owe me anything, you don't owe me. And if the lender, the borrower says, still, I want you to accept the payment, you can accept it from him, as it says in the Pasuk, that he shouldn't demand the loan. And he did not demand it. He said, I've forgiven it. So if he did, he did what the Torah told him, not to demand the loan and to say that you don't owe it to me, but if he wants to pay it, he, he can now accept it. In other words, that the mitzvah, that the malva, that the lender has to say that I am suspending it is mugder in them. That how how do you suspend the loan by not asking for it, by not asking for payment? Not to say that there are two separate. Uh, mitzvahs here. There is that he should forgive the loan, and then there is that he shouldn't demand the loan. Two separate ideas. No. Nor oich that kiyum fuchiyav hashmita als mitzvah but rather to say that how do you fulfill the mitzvah of suspending the loan by not asking for it? That's how you fulfill that mitzvah. Umidaloshin achinochen, as the chinuch says. To abandon the, the money that is owned, owed to you. Uplosen. Das heißt nicht monen. Uplosen means to abandon, means not to ask for it. Und wie es dem Ashmoes von Roshna Ksuvim, as the Psukim also seem to be saying, Shomet kolba mashu yodoi, ashu yashu bereeyu, abandon or suspend all those things which you have the right to ask for, that you would have asked your friend. Lo yigas israeyu vesachav, you shouldn't ask, you shouldn't press demand the loan to be paid from your friend or from your brother. And whatever you have that, that your brother has that belongs to you, you, shouldn't, uh, you should just abandon it. So in other words, it, the mitzvah is on you not to ask for the money. And that's how you fulfill the mitzvah of abandoning it. And since the mitzvah of lo'yigais, do not demand it, is what it means is 
that the malva, the lender, is not allowed to ask for the money, which means uh, to abandon it, is muvan as v'derech mamele, falt up the shibud v'chaybez gavr fanem loiva, so pereyazayin. Since he is not allowed to ask for it, he's, he's not asking for it, so therefore the borrower doesn't have to pay it. It takes off the obligation from him to pay it, this loan. Because one depends on the other. As the Ramam says, I have suspended it, says the lender. So therefore you are exempt from owing it to me. Because I have decided not to ask for it, therefore you're exempt from owing it to me. So we see that it's dependent on each other. Because I'm not asking for it, therefore it takes off the obligation for you to pay it. As the loy vet nifta from the shibut that the borrower now becomes free from his commitment to the lender, and he doesn't have to pay it. But thus is nor bit la yachas from geda gavaretz ishmalva But what that means is that there in the interpersonal relationship between the lender and the borrower, the borrower no longer has an obligation to the lender because since he decided not to ask for it, he doesn't have to pay it. But in regards to the monetary issue, the money that is involved, since there is a loan outstanding, even though he's not going to ask for it, and therefore he's not going to pay it, but there is still a mechanism of owing that exists in regards to the money involved. Because the money itself is nishnifke gevarim. If the Torah would have declared it to be forgiven, so then the Torah declares the money to be forgiven. But since we've decided that it's not the Torah that takes away the obligation, it's the person that decides not to ask for the money, that's the mitzvah. So even though he's not asking for the money, but there is still an outstanding loan that exists. The money hasn't been paid back. And therefore, I cannot ask for it, and therefore, you don't have to come and give it to me. But there is still a mechanism of owing going on. On the Pharisees verstandig, and therefore we understand, was the das reva poskim, that according to most of the uh, poskim, besides for this one uh, isolated opinion of the Yireim, who says differently, but everybody else says, is nishto can gede the mitzvah oifan loive tzirikzon dem choiv tzumalve, that there is no, there is no idea that the loive has to pay back to the malve. Oich fardem vide malve gizok mashim tani, even before the malve actually declares and says, the lender says, I've forgiven it. The, does, the borrower does not have to pay it back because he, it is forgiven by the malva. Since he can't ask for it, he doesn't have to pay for it. But on the other hand, but if he does return the money, it's called that he returned the loan that is outstanding because the loan, as we said, as far as the money is concerned, there is still a mechanism of a loan that's going on. Because even though the borrower is exempt from paying it back, because the, the malva can't ask for it, so therefore he doesn't have to pay for it, but the money is still owed. There is still this money that is owed from one to the other. That money has not been completely forgiven and uprooted from having existed. This loan, the transaction of the loan, is not neutralized completely. 
only his ability to ask for it. To say it in other words, then erhot gelien, when he borrowed the money, is a fatel von seinen achosim b'schumda alva chal me'ein bailus v'malva. When you, when the person takes a loan, there is a lien that happens from the that part of his property, part of his assets, part of the borrower's assets, become in lien to the lender. So that remains, even though the lender is not able to exercise his claim on those assets because the Torah prohibits him from exercising that claim. But the claim, the lien still remains. So if he decides that he wants to pay it back, he's paying back that lien. He's, he's giving back the money that he owes. That's why it's okay to call it even though he's not able to claim it, the, bar, the lender would not be able to exercise payment of that demand for payment of that loan. It would be difficult to say that what the Mishnah is talking about, that if he decides that he wants to pay it, the reason that he should pay it back is because there is a mitzvah which is called, it's a mitzvah to pay back money that you owe. That is a mitzvah in itself. So therefore, even though the... Uh, the lender cannot ask for it, but there is a mitzvah for the borrower to pay back the loan that he owes. And therefore, even though the, the malva cannot ask for it, it's still a mitzvah for you to pay it. That's how some want to interpret this Mishnah. The under Mepharshim learned in the Pshat and Nunza Mishnah has some want to uh, explain our Mishnah based on that. And the proof is, as we said before, is thus nor adas yachid, because it's only an opinion of one person, the Yireim, there is only one opinion the Yireim that says that there is still an obligation from the borrower to pay back the loan if the malva, if the lender did not say I suspend it if he doesn't declare it to be suspended the loiva still has to pay it back that's what the Yireim says but everybody else disagrees in other words that there is no mitzvah there is no, it's not that he has to pay it back but, so we can't say that it's because of Priyaz Balchai Mitzvah. There is no such mitzvah in this case. Another thing, the Oid. Oibs is a mitzvah from Priyaz Balchai. If you want to say that there is actually a mitzvah for the Loiva to still pay back that loan, even though the Shemitah has suspended it, I feel like the Deyas is normally Rabbanan. Even if you were to say that Priyaz Balchai is only a rabbinic mitzvah, it's not a Torah mitzvah, it's a rabbinic obligation. Still, you would have the problem as it's then it's a chiv, it's an obligation, at least rabbinic obligation for the loiva to pay back the loan, even though the malva said that I am suspending it and I don't want it back and you don't have to pay me back. But it's still a chiv, priyaz bachayv mitzvah, it's still an obligation for him to pay it back. And you wouldn't say that, well, the sages are pleased when somebody behaves that way. That's not what a chiyuv means. A chiyuv means you're obligated to pay it back. So therefore, it's difficult to say that our Mishnah is about priyaz balchayv mitzvah. Vav, al piyaz baranal in the minyan from shmitas ksafim. So based on this explanation of how shmitas ksafim works, how the suspension of the loans works, is mistaber, one, it's logical to say, as al shmitas karka. Since, as we said before, the Gemara seems to equate the suspension of the loans with the suspension of ownership of the fruits of the field. 
so we could say the same thing applies by the fruits. Varim dezel begeder from shmita b'shnas b'shanah shviyis is cyber kakois and cyber ksavim because, as we said before, it's the same idea of suspension of ownership, both in regards to the fruits and in regards to the loans. So therefore, whatever works for the loans, we would have to say the same thing applies for the fruits. Befrat as mefabinze tzamin in v'zed varashmita, especially according to what the Gemara said that. Uh, this is the word of Shemitah from which the Gemara learned that you have to declare it that's what it means to declare it and in, that applies to both the fruits and to the, to the money the Rambam brings the Sarop in Sefer HaMitzvah the Rambam quotes it in Sefer HaMitzvah but the Mitzvah says of Shemitah in regards to the Mitzvah of suspension of the loans the Loshanat as he says the Loshanat as Shemitah says that it's talking about two different types of suspensions that the Pasuk talks about. One is the suspension of the, the fruits of the land, and the other one is the suspension of the money. What does it mean, this is the word of Shemitah? That this, which he's about to explain, which the, the, the Pasa continues to explain, is mitzvah shmitah. This is the idea of the mitzvah shmitah, meaning to say, as is a mitzvah ifn gavra, the seistas, a mitzvah ifn gavra, to dabarin, that it's a mitzvah on the person to express it, to verbalize it. Zed shmitah means verbalize the mitzvah that I'm giving you. Mafkezayin felt that he should declare that the field is free. In other words, it's not afkaita the malka. It's not because the Abishta declares it to be free. It is because the person is obligated to declare it to be free. The chilik is nor. The difference is only in regards to the suspension of the loans vibald as the mitzvah is shomet kol That since the mitzvah is that you should suspend everything that you're anything any loan that you have the right to collect, you're not allowed to. Etor blois nishmonen. That is the only thing he's not allowed to do is ask for it. Blayv tashibut chefza funochayv. And therefore, as we said before, the lien on the on the assets of the borrower still remains. As we said before, aber bashmitas karka. But in regards to the fruits of the land, was dort steid bashmiz ashviz tishmetena benatashta. Over there it says that the seventh year shall suspend it, and you shall abandon it. Then the pedes and the tzvua hefkilagamri over there it becomes completely free. Not that there is any ownership of the uh, of the the owner of the land on the fruits at all, and it becomes free and clear to anyone that wants to collect it. And even by the money he said before, it only means that if he decides to pay, so then we can still call it a chay because there is still some alin which exists. But that's the only thing he still has no right to claim it. He still has no right to demand it. But by the fruits, even that doesn't exist. Zion. Alpia now in the Inyav Nashmatas Ksafim and the Azbara from the Marzachayv Shviz Rocham Nechaymenu. Based on how we explained the idea of the suspension of the loans and the explanation of why the Chachamim are pleased if he pays it back, that Benech Vashtem the Mhemshach Mishnah in Siyam Sechta Shviz. Now we'll understand the continuation of the Mishnah at the end of Sechta Shviz. It says there, Somebody that borrows money from a convert, 
that his children also converted together with him. In other words, they all converted, which we know that when that happens, there is no yichas by the non-Jews, and therefore when they all convert, they're all like new children that are born. They have no relationship, no uh, paternity relationship with their, uh, with their father as well as mother and so on. So therefore, if he borrowed from a ger, and the ger died, the, the convert died, so who should he pay back the money? Should he pay back to the children? No, they don't inherit, because it's not their father legally, technically. So therefore he doesn't have to pay it back to the children. But if he did return it, the chachamim are pleased that he returned it to the children of the ger. Another point is that all metaltalim, which means movable objects, non-real estate, can be, <clears throat> the way that you acquire them is if you draw them to yourself, if you take hold of them. So therefore, not through money. So in other words, if somebody paid for something, but the person did not yet transfer it to him, he didn't hand it to him yet, he could go back on it and he'd say, no, I decided I don't want to sell it and give you back the money. At what, which point do we say, no, the sale is final? Once he hands it to you, if you took it and drew it to yourself, that's called Meshicha, then it becomes yours. So he has the right to withdraw from the deal as, until he hands you the object. However, but if somebody fulfills his word, he said that he'll sell it to you, and he, you gave him the money already, he accepted the money, even though technically he has the right to back out of the deal, but if he keeps to his word and he, he gives it to you, even though he wants to not go through with the deal, the sages are pleased with his commitment to his word. So the first uh, stand, this first part of the Mishnah was that if somebody wants to borrows uh, money and then Shviyas came along and he says, no, I don't, uh, you don't owe it to me, but if he wants to pay it back, and he pays it back, the sages are pleased, and then follows up with these two other cases of situations in which the sages are pleased. What's the connection what, that they're all in the same Mishnah, three completely disparate uh, ideas. One is uh, somebody returns Shvi'is, one is that he returns a loan to the sons of Ager, one is that he fo- follows through and he sells him the object even though he wanted to back out. Is Nishnor in them was the Aladrai is Mimenu is not only because all three of these things our sages said we are pleased with your decision to do the right thing. Nor there's a, a greater connection. The truth is that there's a, it goes deeper than that. Why are the sages pleased by your decision to go through and do the right thing? There's a connection in the reason why they're pleased. That's why they all appear in the same Mishnah. Just like when somebody returns money that is owed over the Shemitah year. There is no, the person has no obligation to pay back that loan, as we said before. It's only, as we said, that there is still a lien, the, the loan still exists. And therefore, when he actually pays it back, 
It's, there's no obligation for him to pay it back, but the sages are pleased that he did. By the Andre, Tzvei found the same applies also by the other two cases that the Mishnah presents. That there is no obligation for the person that owes the money to the Ger to pay it back to the children of the Ger. There is no relationship between him and them. If they were the rightful heirs of the Ger, like let's say not a Ger, a father dies and he leaves children, who are the heirs to his estate? The, the borrower has to pay it back to the children because they are the rightful heirs. But since by the Ger they're not really rightful heirs, so therefore there is no relationship between the borrower and the children of the Ger. So there's no Shibud Gavra, there's no uh, obligation from this person to that person. And the same in the case of the sale, that when somebody gave you money for something but you did not hand it over to him yet, you don't owe it to him to give it to him yet. You can return the money and you can back out of the deal. So there's no obligation from you to him yet. But when it comes to the money itself, to the object itself over there, there is already a relationship. Therefore, it's only, therefore, also, there's no obligation. And therefore, our sages are pleased by your doing the right thing because there is already a connection between the people involved and the money involved or the object involved. And therefore, follow through and do the right thing. And therefore, it's a similar in that way. So by the sale uh, case, it's also similar. I have no obligation to give you the object just because you paid it to me, because paying does not make it yours. So I have no obligation to give it to you. But when you paid for an object already, there is a relationship between you and that object based on the money that you paid, even though I could back out of the deal and disrupt the deal. But since the deal already has a mechanism of transfer, therefore our sages are pleased that you're going to follow through and, ob- and give it even though you have no obligation to give it to him and sell it to him. And to add, as the Seder Abavasim in Mishnah, based on the rule that when the Mishnah gives a number of cases, it works in a system where it starts with the simpler idea and then it goes to a not only is that true but even in this case which you might think is different it's true here too and then not only in these two cases but even in the third case which you may think is different for some reason it's there, it applies there too that's the system that generally we attribute to the Mishnah giving a number of cases that it's working its way up to greater novel ideas we have to say in this case, as the drei fall in the Mishnah, that these three cases are also set up in that system. That the first one is something that would be a little more obvious. The next one is a little less obvious, and therefore the Mishnah states that too. And the third one is even less obvious, and therefore has to be stated in addition. As in that in each case, in each uh, part of the Mishnah, as it works its way through, is the there is a new novel 
uh, idea in the idea that the, the sages are pleased by it, like the Friedrich Gebabe in comparison to the previous case. So we'll understand why it works its way up. What does it mean it works its way up? So to understand that, we have to first look at the details of the Mishnah. In the Tzveta Bob and the second case, Why does the Mishnah say, you shouldn't return it to the children? If it would have simply said, somebody borrowed from a Ger, whose children also converted, if he returns it to the children, our sages are pleased by his returning it. Why didn't it just simply say that? We would understand We would understand on our own that there is no obligation to pay it. It's only that the sages are pleased. But why does it have to say he shouldn't or he doesn't have to return it to the children? Another question. In the Dritt above, in the third case, all movable objects are acquired only through transfer, or not only, but through transfer, but not through payment of money. However, one who fulfills his words, the sages are pleased. We have to understand over there, as many of the commentators ask, the Mishnah is the Mishnah is trying to point out that when somebody fo- follows through on, it, on its words, on his words, our sages are pleased. That's what it's trying to say. Because in, as far as what exactly are the details of how one acquires metaltalin, that is not what the Mishnah is trying to. This is not. That's in Baba Metzia. That wouldn't be in this in Peshvius. That's not the place to explain how you acquire metaltalin. Only Idach, on the other hand, Idach Gisa, Kiyum Dvaray is doch lav dafke knius metaltalin. On the other hand, when somebody follows through on his words, it's not only something that is limited to when you uh, purchase uh, movable objects. That's not the only case in which one should follow through on his words. So the Ismai Shayach Hachi, why does the Mishnah here preface, give the Agdoma, as Kolomitalkum, Nikna the Mishicha? Why does the Mishnah say, all movable objects are acquired through drawing close, drawing near, by, by taking them? So why does it have to give that, uh, why does it have to give that introduction? Why is he giving us that detail? So the Bir Bazet, to explain these two questions. But Pashtas Hapidush from Ruach Hachamim Neichem Emenu is what is the meaning, the simple meaning of our sages are play, pleased by that? Is Dosos Hachamim Oivem I say Alzeb Yosher Beinim Asha Asa? Is as it says the uh, the Hachamim like this person for for this, and he did, and, and they they are pleased by what he did. Is nishnor machmas dembos er is do mekayim azaytege mitzvah. The fact that they're pleased by it is not only because he's fulfilling some side, uh, you know, he's he did something else in addition to what he did. He did something uh, which is not really the central idea of this idea, but he did something nice. He did something good. Other is nishtoyve kaniset study, or because because of what he did. He didn't end up violating some uh, side issue. 
In other words, sometimes what can happen is, in this matter itself, you have a right to do otherwise. But when you do the right thing, you take care of some side issue. You, you know, you make somebody happy, or something side, uh, uh, something happens incidentally. So the Rebbe says over here, it's not that there is an incidental thing happening as a result, and that's why the Chachamim are pleased, but rather, but rather, it's the central thing to what you're doing. They're pleased because what you did was the right thing in this act itself. It's not an incidental thing. It's not a side matter. As I'll explain. In our case, what does that mean? In regards to the loan. They're pleased by him because he did a good thing. Agames is derin nishmuchu, even though he's not obligated to pay it to the children. Not by the children's story. It's for the first case, which is talking about shviyas, that he he had a right not to pay the loan, and because of shviyas, and he did pay it. The good thing that he did. The thing that they're pleased about is in this, in the matter of the loan itself, not in an incidental matter. What, in what way? the act of uh, this transaction of the loan. Well, that is about Kenyan. And the same is also when you sell something. number one the malva. It brings. It's made up. The transaction consists of three. Things there is the lender, there number two there is the borrower, and there is the money. The third thing is the money. The money is what connects the borrower, the lender, and the borrower. The same thing would be also by a sale. There is the seller, there is the buyer, and there is the object that he is buying and selling. By a when somebody returns a loan that uh, after shmita. Is the Ruach Hacham and Neichem Emenu B'Shaychus to the Aladrai? The the they're pleased in all three of these details. They're pleased by what happened to, to all three of the components of this transaction. The Malve versus Mekabel Demchayiv, the the borrow the lender which receives payments for his loan. Vibal Derad Geton Amitzu Kesef Talva. Since he has a mitzvah because he gave a loan to somebody, which is a mitzvah, because he did a mitzvah, so the chachamim are pleased. He shouldn't suffer any loss of income because he did the mitzvah and gave you a loan. So the fact that he he got back his money, that's a reason that they're pleased. In regards to the Borrower. Vibald as the malva is bira the shosis Since the lender is, as, as the expression goes, it's the the well from which you drank. Erhod gehat He did you a favor. You had a favor from him. So the chachamim are pleased by this feeling that the borrower has. He did me a favor. He gave me the money. So it's true. By rights, I don't have to pay it back to him. But he did me a favor. So I want to pay it back for him. Why should he suffer? 
Why shouldn't I show my appreciation and pay him back anyway? So the Chachamim are pleased that you have that feeling that you're going to pay back the money. Noisif of the Tayelosh of Azefar and Loi in addition to the fact that the borrower himself will, uh, will end up um, benefiting from this. Why? If he ever needs a loan again, you'll be able to go back and ask him for another loan. But if he doesn't pay him back, the guy will say, hey, I gave you a loan last time and I didn't end up getting it back. Find somebody else. So the Chachamim are pleased from what happens to the lender. The Chachamim are pleased from what happens to the borrower. B'shayich is to the chefzer. What about the money itself? Funder alva. The etzem achayv, the loan itself. Vibald az oiv dem. Is gibli b'mashibut. Hagam az oiv and loiv is nishtok and shibut gavra kanal gvarucha. Since the, there is still a lien on the assets of the, of the lender, of the borrower. Even though, as a person, the borrower has no obligation to pay it back, but the asset, the the assets still have a lien on it. The fathers and therefore the chachamim are pleased by his feeling, by the fact that it removes the lien from the asset and therefore the assets of the borrower. And by paying it back, the whole thing is done. This transaction is over. Everything falls into place. The Malva is happy. The Leiva did the right thing. The money has transferred back to where it belongs. The whole thing has been taken care of. It's like neatly wrapped in a package. Everything works out in the end. So they're pleased about every part of this transaction. Tess, in the Tzveitin Fal, as far as the second uh, part of the Mishnah, Aloivim and Agesh and Gai Rabbana of the case where somebody borrowed money from a convert whose children also convert the Leazel, the Bonavid doesn't have to pay back to the children, but if he did return it, our sages are pleased. Here too, they're pleased, not as an incidental thing that happens because he paid it back. One example would be, if the children of the Ger find out that they're taking advantage of them and the you consider you don't have to pay back money that was owed to our father. They'll say, you know what? Who needs this? We're going back to, we're going back to uh, being goyim. The the mishti, so the chachamim want to prevent that. So therefore, they said, pay it back so that you don't, uh, you know, you don't annoy them and and push them away from Yiddishkeit. That would be an incidental thing, but it's not because of the incidental thing. They're pleased also by the loan transaction itself. But in this case, it only expresses itself in two of the details. Their loive, as far as the borrower is concerned, on the chefze and the money itself. Since the borrower had a favor, got a favor from the convert. Unhod by imgili in the gelt of the soul, and he borrowed it from him on the condition to pay it back. Is agamas noch mizagedes a medina potuf and tashlumen, even though because the ger died, he would technically be exempt from paying it back because there's nobody to pay it back to. He has no heirs. The bal dober azer hot doch atos ginuman almanasos shalom, but since the borrower took it with the intent to pay it back. 
is as ba'em a hemshech for nachayiv. Is amaydet emidatayva as it is machzit. Since he gave, he took the loan with the intent of paying it. So therefore, he still has that. Still remains his need to pay it back. It's true, there's a technical problem that there's nobody to pay it back to, but he hasn't paid it back. So therefore, there, it's a good thing that he pays it back to the people that are close to the gear, you know, the people that have somewhat of a connection, even though technically, legally, they don't have a claim. So also in regards to the money itself. True, there is no lender to whom to pay it back. But as we said before, the lien on the assets of the borrower to the amount of that loan remains. And it's as if it doesn't belong to him because it's in lien to somebody else. Is my butli? How would that lien be removed? What removes that lien? It doesn't get removed. And therefore it makes sense that he should pay it back in order to remove the lien from his assets. And since the true, there is nobody technically to whom to pay it back, but his children are somewhat related to this whole matter. In fact, there is a, a, even a greater, another issue, which is we don't want them to be annoyed and therefore to lose interest in Yiddishkeit. So therefore, they're even more involved with this money. Is and therefore, you should return to them when the father's and therefore the sages are pleased that this falls into place nicely as well. But the third component, which is the the lender himself, is done is over here. There is no lender, so you can't say that something you know that also settled itself nicely because there is no lender. There's nothing to apply. <coughs> because the Malva died, and the, his children do not become heirs to that loan. So they're no, they don't have the, the title of the lender. They're not the lender. When the mit is moving, was the Mishnah is moisim, and that's why we understand why the Mishnah adds the words Le'yarzolobonov. He doesn't have to return it to the children. Chotzes is moving from them. Was hirzir is not rocham. Even though we understand from the fact that it, that if he returns it, it's only that rochacham and noicha imenu. It's only that they're pleased with what he did. So from this we understand. But they tzamad yuzaynas the loyvim mit mit adaloyvim mit bonav ham kenshaychas nish. From which we understand that there really there is no relationship between the borrower and the children of the ger. So it becomes understood automatically from that, and it didn't have to say leyarzel leleve, lebonov. He doesn't have to return it to the children. That doesn't have to be said because from the fact that the Mishnah only attributes that the chachamim are pleased from it, we understand that he has no obligation to pay it to them, and that this non-relationship between the borrower and the sons of the ger is not only because that. Mitzad din they have no sh- connection because he has no obligation to pay it to them. Because they are not the lender 
and therefore the borrower has no c- commitment to them. It's not only because of that. Nor The truth is that even from just from the perspective that the chachamim would be pleased by it, it's not that at least for that amount for that kind of um, just f- to satisfy the chachamim, there is a relationship between the mal the leiva and the children. No, there is no relationship at all. He, they are not his heirs. He owes them nothing, and therefore there is really no relationship between them. Not only mitzad adin, but not even, you know, out of a moral obligation. There is nothing. There is no connection between the borrower and the children of the ger, legally. That's why the Mishnah is pointing out, there is no relationship between the borrower and the children. It's making that point. Therefore, now we understand why there is a greater chiddush in the second case where he returns the money to the sons of the Geir, that it's even more of a novel idea that the Chachamim are still pleased, even though that in your Chachamim Nechemenu is nish norv and the Teufen Zaymaisis in alle drei Pratim von the Minyan Anodin. What the Mishnah is saying is the the Chachamim are pleased not only in the first case where all three components fall into place and it, and it satisfies the malva and the loiva and the money as we said before but even in the second case where the, the Ruach Chachamim only applies to the, bar, to the borrower and to the money itself but to the lender there is no lender and the borrower has no relationship with the children the children aren't the lender and there really is no relationship there really is no reason for him to return it yet even though it's only two things which are pleasantly fall into place still and that should still be done even in the case where the good that happens as a result of paying it back only applies to the two to the to the loive and to the money itself. Yud. The third case of the mission is all uh, movable objects can be acquired only through taking them, through drawing them close. And anyone who fulfills his words is the Chachamim are pleased. Over here too, our sages are pleased by it. Not only for some incidental thing, just because, you know, if he fulfills his word, nice thing, and so on but also because of the object which is transferring hands. But it doesn't, the Ruach HaChamim, the good which comes out has nothing to do with the seller or the buyer, only with the object itself. How so? Since the buyer, the purchaser, did not yet draw it close to him, he didn't take hold of the object, even though he paid the money for it, there is not yet any obligation from the seller and the buyer. They are unrelated because 
the object was not given to the purchaser. As far as the laws of transfer are concerned, there is yet no relationship between the seller and the buyer in regards to this sale. That only happens when he actually gives it to him. He hands it over to him. Only then, only then is there a sale affected. So until that happens, there is no relationship between the two. When he fulfills, he keeps to his word. Nothing, there is no advantage, nothing good that happens, that you can say happens, neither to the seller or to the buyer. As fell garnish by in a fall as a lekeach hadam gegeben gel bakum to the srik, nothing will be lost by the by the purchaser. In the even in the case where he already paid for the object, of course he's going to pay him back. He's going to give him back the money, so he loses nothing. As his blows an inya b'shaychus some prat from chefza, the only thing that is affected is the object itself. The metalkim abam bakum and b'shaychus some kaina. The object that is meant to be sold has established a connection to the purchaser. Un in un dem dibur from meicher, because only because the seller said that he's willing to sell it to him. So the whole relationship is only based on the word of the seller. Or in the case where he already paid for it, also because of the money that transferred hands. And for this, in regards to this, the Mishnah says, as dem that even in this case, that even though what is fixed here is only the object, the object has somewhat of a relationship already to the to the buyer because the seller said that he'll sell it to him, or in the case where he's paid, he already paid for it, even though the money can be given back and, and no nothing would be lost. But there is already the object already has a relationship with the with the buyer, so therefore it's only the object which is going to be fixed, so to speak, by following through on the sale. But as far as the buyer and the seller, they have no relationship with each other in the laws of purchase as they are in halacha. Because until you hand it over, there is no buyer and seller. There's only two people talking about a buy a sale. So, but the object already has a connection to the seller, to the buyer, sorry, to the buyer, because the seller said that it'll sell it in. And therefore, what it gets fixed is what should rightfully, at least somewhat rightfully, because he said that it'll sell it in, gets taken care of, gets fulfilled. That's something that Ruach HaKam and So therefore, the third case is, when says, Don, nor the good that is accomplished by following through on the sale only affects one of the details which is the object itself even then our sages are pleased and that's why it's even where it only affects one of the three components still the sages are pleased go follow through with it go through with it and it's a good thing that you're doing so that explains the third, the final Mishnah in Masech Tashviz.
Yudalef. In the meaning from Shmitas Ksofim Anau, in regards to the uh, suspension of the loans that we talked about, Kifim and Adobah we find two simil- uh, seemingly opposing ideas. From Einzite is the Teichem from Shmitas Ksofim. <coughs> On the one hand, we say the idea of suspending the loans. Shomet Kolmama, Shoyodah Le'yigis that you shouldn't demand the loan. Ashlila Veheder it's something that is negative. It's, it's expressed in a negative way in refraining from asking for the money. And for this reason, if he wants to pay it back, the Chachamim are pleased. The same is true also in regards to the suspension of the fruit. In other words, the Hefke, the declaring of ownerless all the fruits of the land, that the land should rest. Sorry, he's talking about the actual uh, perform- the, the mitzvah of not working the land. As the Pesach says, that the land should rest. You should not plant and you shouldn't uh, uh, reap. Uh, you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't uh, harvest the things that grow on their own, and the, the grapes that grow on their own, you shouldn't harvest them. It should be a, a year of rest for the land. As the Erd, so the mitzvah is that the earth should not be worked on that time. The earth should rest. So that is also a negative. In other words, do not do so and so. Do n- refrain from doing work on the land. Le'idach, on the other hand, tarf In dibur, on the other hand, we say that this refraining from doing it has to be expressed in a positive way. you should declare it to be ownerless. As we said before, that if you, uh, when you return, somebody wants to return the money that he owes you, you should say, I'm suspending it, I don't want the money back. As we said before, which according to a number of opinions, that statement, that declaration, is a mitzvah for you to say that it's, uh, you don't owe it to me. As it says in the continuation of the Mitzvah, of the Mishnah, if there was uh, somebody that committed manslaughter, accidentally killed somebody, that now the, the punishment for that is to go into exile into one of the cities of refuge, and the people of the city want to show him honor and respect, should say to them, you should say, no, don't show me honor. I am a murderer. I committed manslaughter. So they said, yeah, but we still want to show you honor. Then he can accept it. As it says in the Pasuk there, this is the matter of the Ritzeich, but it's written, this is the word of the Ritzeich. In other words, that he has an obligation to tell them that he is a Ritzeich. So over there, what it means is, he wants to make sure that they shouldn't accidentally, you know, they, if they knew that he was a Ritzeich, they wouldn't show him this honor. Therefore, he has to make it clear that he is, that's who I am. 
the year is mefarish in Yerushalmi, as the Yerushalmi says, al derech v'mevshas megitim kavod v'al memet has a vesveimus Like for instance, if somebody is being shown honor because they are under the impression that he is, he knows two or more many mesechtes. They think that he's a great scholar. But he is really a minor scholar. He only knows one sefer, one book of Talmud. And he has to tell them that. So over there, that's, that's a matter of just not misleading them. But over here, it seems that it's a mitzvah to say, it's not just that you want to, it has nothing to do with misleading. There is a mitzvah to say, I am declaring it to be forgiven. So we find that there is, on the one hand, it's a negative thing. On the other hand, there is a positive expression of it. You have to declare it to be um, suspended. So this could be explained. <coughs> the seventh year, the Shemitah year, is the idea of Sviris Amalchus. The seventh Midah is Malchus. And in ears and in the door, Malchus contains both of these aspects. The bitul from Sviris Amalchus will give the Sviris from Ma'ilu Memenu. On the one hand, the Sviris Amalchus lestlamegamoklum. It has nothing of its own. It only receives from the upper six, and therefore it is completely secondary, subservient to the to the upper six uh, upper six midas, and it, that's what Malchus is bitul. On the other hand, Svirus Amalchus is Elamandibur. Malchus is the world of speech. So we see the same two components. It has the negative, the re- refraining, it has nothing of its own. It's just refraining from doing something. On the other hand, it is connected to Dibur, to the declaration to saying something. That's why Shvi is the seventh year, Shmita year, which is associated with Malchus, also has these two things. The Shavsa Aretz, it has to refrain from work. The Bittl from Shvisuf in Aretz, that's the expression of Bittl. Malchus, uh, in Eretz, Malchus. Eretz is also associated with Malchus. On Sizra, that you shouldn't plant, and so on. It's all refraining. And the same is true for the suspension of the loans. On Sizam and Demit, at the same time you also have the component of speech that you have to declare it to be suspended. Now, Pizes, Fashtanik the Medrash, Hanal. Based on this, we can understand that Medrash as well. Ashoim Rishvi is very an ungeruf and oisid devarei, lishmei bekol devarei. That the, uh, those who keep Shemitah, they are the ones that the, the Pasuk says, they do the word of Hashem, they listen to the word of Hashem. And it's, this is a very unusual expression of listening, of following through on the mitzvah. Because normally what it would write and what it would say in such a case would be the ones that do his mitzvahs. That's how it would be expressed. They do the mitzvahs of Hashem. Here it says they do the word of Hashem. What does that mean? Now it's explained because Shemitah is connected with Dibur. That's why it says, I said, the Vore. When we the Medrash is Machriach, as the Vetzer Veng Shem Rishviz, and as the Medrash brings proof that it is talking about the ones that keep Shviz from where? Because it says, Nem Arkano Isid Vore. It says over here, they do his word. The Nem Alahalam is Edvara Shemitah. And it says, by Shemitah, and this is the word of Shemitah. So we see that the Medrash itself 
draws that comparison between Dvoray and Dvarashmitah. Just like what it says over there, Dvor Zedvarashmitah is talking about keeping Shviz. So also Dvoray, which is written in this Pasuk, where it says, it's also talking about the ones that keep Shemitah. Now, Pise Yumtak, based on this, we can understand also more interestingly, that the conclusion of Mesechta Shviz talks about somebody who fulfills his word is Ruach Hachamim Emenu. Because Shemitah is connected with speech. And by our learning and uh, being occupied with the halachas of Shviz, whoever is involved in the study of a matter, of a subject, it's as if he fulfills that subject. We will bring quickly the time when Hashem will be once again pleased with His land. And they will we will be able to fulfill the mitzvah of Shemitah, Shavta Shvis Yaakov. You, uh, you will return the returning of Yaakov. Asva Shvis the base Yaakov. You will return the uh, the base Yaakov. Ungam Hashem Yitna And Hashem will give us the good. And the land will give its produce. On Menvedzayin Gibberikei and we will be the, power, the the strong, mighty people that do the word of Hashem, to listen to the word of Hashem, which refers to Shem Rishviz, to the ones that keep Shviz. That, in other words, that will, once again we will be involved in the keeping of Shviz. That will be able to fulfill the mitzvah of Shviz in its literal sense, in Eretz HaKadosh, to do it in the Holy Land, and then it will be a mitzvah, even though there is Shviz today, but it's only the Rabbanim because it's not called Yeshvei Aleh and so on. The Karim Mamish, and this should happen very quickly in our time, at the Ebishter Bet Mekayim Zayin, when Hashem will fulfill His Dvarei, His Word, Dvar Hashem Ze'akates, the Word of Hashem, that means the end of the Golos, as it's written in the Gemara. V'hoistol Hashem Amlucha, and Hashem will have the Kingdom, which is again Malchus, also Dibur Malchus, all of these things play into one Idea, but be as Mashiach said, Kenny will hand him his last name, and Mashiach comes and will bring us quickly to our land.